0: Drink Wine, Vancouver! For 40 minutes, it was the heavyweight showdown everybody anticipated, but the Winnipeg Jets delivered the knockout blow with a couple of quick goals midway through the third period as they defeat the Vancouver Canucks by a score of 4-2. to This is Rinkwide Vancouver. We're coming to you from our studio in the lower lobby of the Wall Center Hotel, centrally located in the heart of it all, sports games, theaters, restaurants, shopping, English Bay, even Stanley Park. It's all just a short walk away, whether you have people in from out of town or you're considering a staycation for yourself. Make sure it includes the Wall Center Hotel. Jeff Patterson joined on this episode by Blake Price. And, boy, Blake, we've got lots to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, uh, I think you know the game kind of lived up to the hype just in terms of that playoff feel. The goaltending certainly was there through the first couple of periods, but... At the end of the night, the Jets' best players uh, showed up on the score sheet, and the Vancouver Canucks did not. And that was one of the big differences, as was special teams. The Jets go two for three on the power play. The Canucks generate 11 shots on goal on their four power plays. So they did have some looks, but at the end of the night, they're still looking for a goal that just wasn't there for them with the man advantage. So full credit to the Jets coming into Vancouver and certainly delivering a message. These teams are going to play two more times in the regular season, and you know, should they meet in the playoffs, my goodness, what a series that would be. But a lot of credit to the Winnipeg Jets. They've got Connor Hellebuck as their backstop, but their best players really rose to the occasion in this
1: one. Well, and the, your two main points there are sort of a Venn diagram. It's almost the perfect circle. The best players are on the power play. They made it work, and they had been in a slump that is not too dissimilar from what the Vancouver Canucks are going through right now. They were 0 for 21 in their past eight games going into that one, and they exploded for two I mean, I didn't see enough Ian Tight on the power play. I, I still wonder too about the lack of JT Miller run, skating downhill. How often do we talk about that down the left flank and yep. Besser in that left circle is just not the same. And then at five on five, um, that line is a bit of snake bitten right now. That line just does not seem to have much going. That is the uh, the JT Miller line. Didn't mind the Pedersen and, and Lindholm line as much. Overall, though, I mean Jeff. They were they were good. Like it was a good hockey game. They played pretty well. We're splitting hairs here as to why they didn't get the win. Um, and really it's a 4-2 game. It sort of feels more like a 3-2 and a one-goal victory, if anything. They played okay. Demko's hung out to dry a little bit there on the backdoor Velarde goal in the third period. I, would you like him to make a miracle save there because he is Thatcher Demko? Maybe, but it's also hard to ask that of him. So I, I think you chalk it up to the first loss in a handful of games and, and say on to the next one.
0: Yeah, it snaps a three-game win streak for the Vancouver Canucks, just their second outright loss in 18. So yeah. you do have to keep some perspective here. They're a 37-13-16. and six team. They remain on 80 points. And, you know, we've talked about the home ice record as well, just their fifth outright loss in front of the paying customers at Rogers Arena. 19-5-2 now are the Vancouver Canucks on home ice. As for that goaltending matchup, and boy, just this ridiculous embarrassment of riches for... USA Hockey, you know, and you add Jake Cottinger in there and Jeremy Swayman as well. Can we borrow one of these guys so when we get to some best on best? Uh, but Connor Hellebuck, uh, he's got the best to the show for it, and he is right there battling with Thatcher Demko, and we know the kind of season that Demko's had. Uh, Hellebuck just looks so ridiculously confident. Like, you think of the first period, the Canucks out-shoot the Jets 12-7. to They generated a bunch. Winnipeg had one shot over the second half of the first period. The Canucks turned it up. And Hellebuck just turns aside everything that comes his way there. Canucks open the scoring 19 seconds in. Noah Juleson, of all people, with his first goal uh, as a Vancouver Canuck, his first goal in the National Hockey League in a bunch of years. And that was the kind of play that it was going to be required to get a puck past Hella Buck, you know, Buck gets to the front of the net, uh, Juleson jumps up, nice read on his part, and is able to swoop in and put the rebound past the Winnipeg netminder, and that's the other thing. I mean, the Canucks get the lead. I mean, that has been their blueprint to success so often, and yet... The lead didn't last that long. Four and a half minutes later, the Canucks run into some penalty problems. Velarde on the power play. Monahan with his first as a jet after the trade from Montreal. He strikes on the power play as well. And so the Canucks go from a one nothing lead to a 2-1 deficit. But there's Tyler Myers to ride to the rescue. And again, part of the storyline here is the Canucks score twice on the night, both from defensemen. That's great, but there are a lot of guys up front that are paid to put pucks in the net and... Ah, uh, thirty-seven shots, and they just uh, the forwards were held at bay all night long. But what a goal by Tyler Myers! Uh, hit the post oh earlier, gosh. sets up Ilya Mikheyev for a mini breakaway as well, and then Myers. Says, you know what? If other guys aren't going to be able to get it done, I'm going to do it myself. And a uh, nice read there, walks around Neil Pionk and uh, some good work by Brock Besser in front of the net. And he's done that all year, taking the eyes of the goaltenders away. And again, you know, sometimes it's those simple things when it comes to beating the best in the business, but uh, hard to stop the ones you can't see. And Besser in front of the net and Tyler Myers uh, waltzes to the middle of the ice with the backhand and it set up the big third period. And that's where the Canucks have been so good all year is finding ways to win tight hockey games, but uh, tables turned and the jets score the only two of the third
1: i wonder how many people were doing what i was doing as myers began that sojourn (laughs) what are you doing myers what where are you oh 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 okay pardon me (laughs) it was a beautiful goal very un tyler myers like but uh hey you'll you'll take it he was charged up i mean you, you might forget that he's a former jet it was uh you know five years ago now but um yeah, he he seemed to have an extra jump he was uh, more physical didn't love that play on the two-on-one I mean you're hoping again that one of Myers or Demko makes the play there um but hey I mean you know it's it's not a bad rush it is what it is and the the Jets do capitalize but uh he was he was charged up the whole the shooting match was was charged up. There was we, we've seen back-to-back games. There's never been a Vancouver Canucks Winnipeg Jets rivalry at least not since uh, Rick Tabarachi stole the first couple <laughs> of games versus the uh, the Canucks in the early 90s. Um but the Jets and Red Wings games, like where did the, where did these two chippy games come from? This is crazy. I'm not surprised at this one. The Detroit stuff's still
0: a little surprising just because out of conference and the fact they don't see each other. Uh, the Canucks and Jets will see each other twice more. Winnipeg's going to be back for another Saturday night in Vancouver a month from now. So mark that one on your calendar. Uh, we got some good Saturdays coming. Boston's in town next Saturday. And then uh, a few weeks after that, the Jets return. The Canucks' only game in Winnipeg this year is game 82 of the regular season for both of them. So be interesting to see what the stakes are there and what either of these teams is playing for. Uh, or can they take their foot off the gas? But that last game before the playoffs, even though they wouldn't meet in round one... You know, I certainly want to use that as a tune-up, so you'd think that there'd be some emotional carryover as well. Yeah, you know, One of the big plays in this game, obviously, is Adam Lowry, who plays the game hard. Like He could play on my team all day, every day, any season. Not a surprise that he's the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. But I will say he traveled a long way to deliver a hit on an unsuspecting Nils Amon. And of course, that draws a response. It's hockey, and we can debate all night long whether a clean hit should... You know, have to be followed by a fight, but Philly Giuseppe's trying to prove his worth and keep his place in the lineup and all that kind of stuff. And man, he stepped up a couple of weight classes mm-hmm. there, comes out on the short end, but you know, that's a good teammate. And you want to believe that those are the kinds of penalties that the Canucks can kill off. And instead, uh, it was just moments after the hit and the fight. The Jets go back on the power play because DiGiuseppe gets 2-5 and, and 10, and Sean Monahan pulls the trigger. Some nice passing there. Didn't have an issue with that goal. I mean, if there was one that you would have liked to say from Demko, I think it was the first Villardi one that just squeaked under him, and that's a goal that Thatcher hasn't given up an awful lot throughout this season. But That was
1: a sneaky backhand, though. Yep. I, you know, yep. He wasn't expecting
0: it. Good goal. What do you make of the whole Lowry-DiGiuseppe sequence there?
1: Well, I- you know, I I get that you, in today's day and age, want to send a message, but you do have to pick your spots. Um, noble, I suppose, and if it, if it's going to be anybody, I'm, I guess I'm glad that it's a role player like Phil DiGiuseppe, not to throw him under the bus too much, but God, you hate it if JT Miller jumped in there and got injured defending the honor of Nils Um but that is a tough customer. and You do have to pick your spots there, and Adam Lowry is a massive dude, scary looking dude and you know he's got no problem beating on on Phil DiGiuseppe so I think the Canucks are trying to establish a playoff character here and that's all fine and good but they do have to be a little bit careful with Dakota Joshua gone already you know you don't want to start after this marvelously healthy season for the Vancouver Canucks you don't want to see guys starting to go down as they try to establish their playoff character um you know, it's, it's going to come. They've got a lot of games left. There's still over 20 games left here in the season. You know, they're they're going to have lots of time to work on their playoff chops. But pace yourself. I, I don't know that you need to jump into every foray is a third-man-in situation. And, of course, they put themselves down uh, on the power play or on the penalty kill uh, because of those actions. So, I think you got to pick your spots. Um, that one wasn't bad. But, of course, Dakota Joshua won uh, rings a little bit more because, hey, with the way that line was going, they might have come in handy tonight with the other two lines stymied.
0: Yeah, I, I, this was a game for—it was built for Dakota Joshua. I mean, if Adam Lowry's out there doing that, I mean, Joshua— I think Lowry's got a little bit more edge than Dakota Joshua, but Joshua is one of the biggest Canuck forwards and has been playing so well that you would have loved to have seen him uh, under the bright lights of this sort of Saturday night matchup against the Winnipeg Jets. But uh, alas, we know uh, he's not going to be around for a couple of weeks, maybe by uh, that March 9th rematch. Uh, we'll see if he's a quick healer. But this game had feeling right right from the start. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Myers uh, gets called for an elbow on I follow. But got a pretty good piece of Quinn Hughes in front of the benches, and you don't see Quinn Hughes on the receiving end of too many hits. He's so uh, slippery and elusive, but that drew the attention of the Canucks and certainly uh, had some words. Uh, I know that Filip Aronik skated over on that same shift. I don't think he was going to fight Namestikoff, but certainly just letting him know that he might want to back off uh, the Canucks captain. And then, of course, as this game went along, we saw Niels Hoaglander. Take a couple of penalties. And I think one sort of led to the other because uh, the first one, the roughing call on Pionk, I think there was a cell job there. Oh, yeah. Um, And I don't know if Hoaglander was out to exact some revenge the second time around, but I thought the second one was a penalty. I'm not so sure about the first one. And quite frankly, I don't think the officials, and I, I don't want to turn this into an official bashing, I generally don't go down that road, but. I think they were playing catch-up all night long as well, and I know that they get one look at things in real time, but, you know, they're paid. Like, they're paid to make those judgment, split-second judgment calls, and it just sort of felt like the game was getting away from them a little bit, and then, you know, some game management as well. Like, to give Shafley the embellishment one, and he probably deserved it, although JT Miller's pretty lucky as well that... You know, at the buzzer there, at the end of the second period, it's a two-all tie, and JT certainly was going to get a penalty. Uh, I got a little fortunate that uh, he was able to take Shifley with him it just felt to me like the officials were chasing this game more than you would have liked for a big matchup between the top two canadian teams and a hockey Night in canada matchup and all that kind of stuff players just want consistency and i'm not sure that we saw a ton of that from the guys in stripes in this hockey game
1: yeah and i know Tyler myers is uh, upset about it and and others were as well and and you know the, in the big games right in the playoffs jeff um, there's so much emotion, so much riding on every play, every penalty called seems like a massive deal and you do have to find a way. It sounds like the Canucks were a little bit rattled by some of the calls Yeah, and you do have to work. If they're working on their playoff character and it looks like they're working on their playoff edge. Yeah. You also have to work on your playoff composure and it sounds like that may have gotten a little bit. They were distracted. I think out there just a little bit.
0: Yeah, I I mean, the final numbers on the special teams, Winnipeg goes two for three with a man advantage. Uh, Just looking back through uh, game notes here, first time in a long time, almost two months that the Canucks have surrendered two power play goals to an opponent. And as you said, Winnipeg didn't come in riding a ton of momentum with their man advantage, but you can see. I mean, they add Monaghan, they've certainly got that top end and uh, Kyle Connor with a couple of assists. Nick Ehlers doesn't find the score sheet, but you know how dangerous he can be. Like, there is some solid, solid finishing talent on this Winnipeg Hockey Club, and with the structure and the style they play in front of Hellebuck, I I do think that they're going to be a difficult team. Somebody pointed out that just the way the standings are right now, and there's still enough hockey that things can change, but we could be looking at first-round matchups that have Winnipeg playing Colorado and Edmonton and Vegas. Uh,
1: Yeah. Bad teams are going down. (laughs) Or good teams are going (laughs) down, pardon me. Good I mean that's why you just need to finish first place. You Win the hockey games however you need to win the hockey games. And if that means turning the other cheek, like, that is worth the price of admission right there. Winning first place, the Pacific Division, and dodging that matchup. The second wild card, winning the West, the second wild card I think is going to be demonstrably easier than even the first wild card. Like the LA Kings, if they if they get goaltending before the trade deadline, if somebody there gets hot inexplicably, I don't know that I want the Kings. They've bounced back here with a couple of big games after that throttling in Buffalo. The Vancouver Canucks need to make sure that they and they've still got a lead. I'm not totally worried about it for their for their sakes, but I, I do think they got to keep the their eye on the prize win the Pacific Division, if not the Western Conference, certainly the division. But uh, they'd be well advised to make sure that they stay on top here and play their game. Play the game that got them here because that is just such a big advantage, not to be mired in one of those crazy first-round matchups.
0: We talked about the fact that uh, the top-end guys, whether it's 5-on-5 or on the power play, just not right there really since the All-Star break. Like Brock bester has gone seven without a goal. JT Miller's seven without an assist. So that sort of goes hand in hand. Quinn Hughes has two helpers in his last six. I think he had two in the game in Carolina out of the All-Star break. And Elias Patterson has one goal in seven games. So really the All-Star skaters for the Vancouver Canucks, at least the ones that uh, went to the All-Star game as Canucks, uh, Elias Lindholm joined them there. And Lindholm, you know, a quiet night for him, but he has uh, made his mark already in a handful of games here uh, since the trade and he's continuing to settle in, but uh, it's those other guys, uh, you know, they just, somebody's going to have to rise to the challenge here. Now I say that Elias Patterson had three assists the other night against Detroit. So uh, there've been some moments, but it's just been a little uneven and you know, on a lot of nights, there's enough depth scoring on this team in the Detroit game. The other night was a, an example of that. You know, they got a goal from Nikita Zadorov here. They get two goals from defensemen uh, and that's great, but Obviously, their best guys have to step up and and come through, and they didn't in this hockey game. So when that happens, uh, it's going to be a bit of a struggle. It's been a struggle for Ilya Mikheyev for a long, long time, but credit where it's due, I thought this was his most noticeable game in a long time. And most people probably didn't have a ton of confidence when he got in behind the defense there on the breakaway at 1-1, but that was an opportunity for the Canucks to go back in front for the second time in the hockey game. Uh, Again, Hellebuck makes the save there, but I like the fact we saw a burst from Mikheyev. He set up a Teddy Bluger chance late in the first period as well. When I look at the final stat line for Ilya Mikheyev, there have been so many nights where, you know, there's been nothing there. But here, three shots on five attempts, three hits as well uh, in almost 15 minutes of ice time. So baby steps. He's not uh, Dakota Joshua. He's not going to replace what Dakota Joshua brings to the mix, but he does have a an opportunity here. Didn't think a whole lot of his game the other night, but I thought a whole lot more of it in this one.
1: It was nice to see. Uh, I even thought he looked faster than I've seen in recent games as well. Like there were puck races, uh, loose puck races, where I felt like he was winning, and I felt like there was just a little bit more giddy-up. Um, you know, he's not a finisher. I, I think we know that. So the breakaway thing is, you know, that's just him sometimes. You wonder, too, if you just... If you throw on the brakes there at the top of the crease, and maybe you think that Hellebuck's, you know, tracking him post to post, maybe he's able to stop up. And I don't know, it was a pretty unimaginative effort, I thought, on the breakaway. But and he stopped by a heck of a good goalie, but it's still way more noticeable. Couldn't agree more. And. And that's a step in the right direction. Hey, he got on the stat sheet. It's a second assist. But for him these days, my goodness, even that, uh, you wonder if uh, he feels a little bit better about himself looking at that at the end of the night and knowing that he at least got onto the stat sheet. He's got to be a placeholder there for Joshua. as It's officially week to week now for him. I mean, this is going to be a bit of a test for Mikheyev, uh, an audition, pardon me. You know, he will do himself only favors by looking good in this position. And and who knows? I mean, it was, you know, statistically not a great night for a guy like Nils Hoaglander. I mean, even a guy like Pew Suter got away, what did I see, eight shot attempts. Yeah. So he's pretty pretty active. Just three shot attempts for Nils Hoaglander, none of them landing on goal. So, you know, those guys down that winger, you know, there's a power ranking there and you want to try to get into the top two if you're any one of those guys. And and I think those spots are up for grab on a weekly basis.
0: Yeah, Hoglander sees his four-game point streak come to an end, doesn't have a shot on goal. There were a couple of attempts there for him, but his name's on the score sheet for the two penalties, two offensive zone penalties. And I do worry a little bit that in tight games like this one, like there, there has to be that discipline. You talked about time and place, and we know that uh, there's still this ongoing demonstration period, if you will, audition period uh, for his role in the top six. We know that he's got the offensive chops, but in tight games, Rick Tockett has to be able to trust that Nils Hoaglander you know, isn't going to put the team in a tough spot. We talked about one being a judgment call. I thought the second one certainly was a penalty. That fine line between trying to be physical and trying to leave an impact on games, but also. You know, not crossing the line and putting your team short.
1: They're getting tested. I mean, they've they've been in first place for a long time, Jeff. And yep. heavy is the head that wears the crown. Sure. And everybody's gunning at them. You could tell the Jets were amped up for this game. And again, you know, with not a whole lot of backstory here, first meeting of the season. And, you know, I think the Jets saw themselves, you know, picking themselves off the mat. They scuffled for a couple of weeks. And they've had some momentum here now in the last few games. I think they were really up for this game. And I, I'm not to say the Canucks weren't up for this, but this is Maple Leaf itis here. You know, the Toronto gripe all the time. Well, everybody plays their best against us. Well, everybody's playing their best against the Canucks, I think, from here on in, too, Jeff. And you've got to be ready for it.
0: Yeah. And now they embark on a quick but difficult three games in Fortnite Road Trip. Starts with another afternoon game in Minnesota. Minnesota's played the Canucks hard and Low-scoring games. Maybe this is a good tune-up, but uh, in mini on Monday, back-to-back into Denver, the second game of back-to-backs against the Colorado Avalanche, and then uh, the third game of the trip is uh, down the I-5 in Seattle. And so uh, we'll see what the Canucks look like by the time they get to Seattle. That'll be fourth game in six nights. And they've uh, made their way, you know, halfway back across the continent again. So uh, this is a, it's kind of a sneaky little difficult stretch of the schedule. And then, of course, Boston here a week from now. So, uh, some, I mean, they're all big games for the Vancouver Canucks. And and you're right. Uh, they're not sneaking up on anybody. Yes, they fail to gain ground in the standings, but uh, they are still first. In the National Hockey League, they had built a cushion there, and that doesn't change. And they got a little bit of help on the out-of-town scoreboard, and as much as Carolina rallied from a one nothing deficit and beat Vegas, so Vegas doesn't gain any ground. The Edmonton Oilers were winners in overtime in Dallas in a matinee affair, so the Oilers and the Kings were the comeback win in Boston earlier. So Los Angeles gets two points. Edmonton gets two points. Vancouver and Vegas are held without points on this night. 4-2 is the final. The Winnipeg Jets defeat the Vancouver Canucks, ending their three-game win streak. Lots still ahead here on Rinkwide Vancouver. Uh, we'll get into the locker room. We'll hear from the coach and players. We will get to our Rinkwide Vancouver three-star selection. We've got the staff that stands out, a little bit of listener feedback, see what you have to say about this one, and uh, we'll continue to look ahead at what's to come. And I want to talk a little bit about our steep banes, because there certainly was some intrigue throughout the day. The Canucks didn't have a morning skate, and so it was a while before we knew what their lineup was going to look like, and a lot of people were hoping the local product was going to make his National Hockey League debut. He got to take the warm-up, so he was on NHL ice, but uh, his debut will have to wait for another day. It's Jeff and Blake with you here 4-2. The Jets defeat the Vancouver Canucks. You're listening to rink Vancouver.
1: <music>
0: Vancouver Canucks fall 4-2 on Saturday to the Winnipeg Jets. Jeff and Blake here breaking it all down. rink Vancouver. You're going to hear from Noah Juleson and Tyler Myers in a sec, but first things first, we'll start with... The head coach, Rick Tockett, and all post-game audio here on Rinkwide is a presentation of Mr. Lube. Uh, Rick Tockett with his thoughts on this loss to the Jets and where the game got away from the Canucks. Yeah, we just got got a little, you know, lost a little composure on those plays. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, good, it's a good learning lesson for us. You Just got to be careful of those things, not run out of position. Yeah, a little loss of composure. Again, we haven't seen that often from uh, Rick Tockett's hockey club, but uh, it happened at times. And he always talks about learning lessons, and he did there as well. Coach was also asked about his thoughts on the officiating, and he wasn't going to go down that road too far. It's going to be like that. I mean, you're going to have these games, you know, whether you you, you know you. You think you got screwed or not? Doesn't really matter. You know these guys are. It's it's a hard game. You know, in the last couple of games we've taken a lot of penalties, and then you know that's for people to say if they are penalties or not. I, I, I'm not going to go there. You know, we, we we played hard. Just the, unfortunately, we uh, they won the special specialty teams battles tonight. And good for Tockett, uh, not blaming the officials, uh, and in fact, sort of turning it back on his team that has taken a few too many penalties. I mean, they only took three. The Jets scored on two of the power plays, but they took five the other night against the uh, Detroit Red Wings. And they were able to kill all of those off. So tighten up the discipline. Don't give teams opportunities to work in the power play. And uh, certainly that'll go a long way to helping the Vancouver Canucks. Now, it wasn't just the coach, uh, players as well. You'll hear from Tyler Myers on the officiating in a moment. But uh, first things first, uh, Noah Julson. this should have been a big night for him, scoring his first goal. He was in the starting lineup and the opening faceoff to start the hockey game. Unfortunately, his night started well, didn't end so well. He's on the ice for all the Winnipeg goals, and the hockey club loses by a score four to 2 And after the game, Juleson taking a fair bit of it on himself. Yeah,
1: for sure. I mean, the goal doesn't matter at all. Obviously, uh, you know, the third one, I went to the hit. Um, ended up in the back a an net, and the fourth one's on me as well. So, that, you know, that game's a loss because of me.
0: It's a team game, Blake. It's never just one guy. Uh, You hate to hear that. Uh, He's been so good for the Vancouver Canucks for the last couple of months. And the penalty kill's been good. He's been a big part of that. But uh, they did get torched for a couple. But uh, hopefully... Noah Juleson can shake it off because uh, he shouldn't feel responsible for uh, a loss to the Winnipeg Jets.
1: He's only a dash one, <laughs> <You> know, because <laughs> because he did score and the other yeah. two are PKs. But and he also had a couple of great blocks. I mean, they you know there there's a lot going there for for Noah Juleson. But you love the accountability and you love the fact that he wants to take the blame because you know most sixth defensemen, and and I think we can safely say he's ranked 6th despite Quadrelli's uh, uh, attempts <laughs> at, at proving otherwise but he's he's ranked 6th I would think on the depth chart by by the coaches not often do you see them say put the spotlight on me I screwed up because in a lot of cases on a lot of teams that means you're coming out of the lineup I think it might speak to a little bit of Joelson's feeling of safety that he's played well enough maybe that he feels he can't take the blame. And did he contribute? Maybe but I, I, I think he's actually been very good and I think he had his I think he had good moments in this game so admirable from Noah Juleson, but I I hope he can sleep tonight
0: yeah and Tyler Myers look we talked about the fact that uh, players just want some consistency Myers uh, you'll hear it here not happy with the uh, the early penalty that he was called for the elbow on eye of fallow and then uh, basically says it wasn't just the Jets that they were facing here on Saturday night it was also those guys in stripes. It's also tough when you're battling, you know, the, the first hit of the game is not a penalty, and he calls it a penalty because I'm a bigger guy. Uh, you know, it felt like we were battling two teams tonight. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but, you know, we'll look to, to come out uh, on, on our road trip uh, with a good effort and keep keep what we have going,
1: uh, you know, what we have good going here.
0: All right, some fairly... Pointed comments from Tyler Myers uh, gets his message across. But at the end, pulls it back and just says, like, uh, they know that they've got to be better. That is the ultimate takeaway that uh, you got to deal with some adversity uh, in life, in hockey. But uh, clearly not uh, thrilled with the work of, uh, and let's name names, Eric Furlatt and Brian Pachmara <laughs> were the two officials. In fact, Furlatt worked the last two. He was the guy that was here working the Detroit game the other night. And then this one here against
1: the Winnipeg Jets as well. And, and it's... Really just one power play goal. And they had enough power plays. And they had enough shots on those power plays, as we talked about already, Jeff. Like, if they get one power play goal and don't say, oh, that would still be 4-3. No, it changes how the game unfolds. It it, it creates some nerves, perhaps, for the Jets, if, depending on which of those power plays the Canucks score on. So you never know how that changes the complexion of the game. One power play goal on any of those opportunities. And again, they had enough. They had enough chances. I think the Canucks probably walk away with at least a single point if they get one power play goal tonight.
0: All the postgame audio here on Rinkwide Vancouver, a presentation of Mr. Lube, 100% Canadian pioneers of the no appointment oil change. And they're now providing tire service and sales with no appointment needed there as well. 16 locations in the lower mainland, so easy to find for one near you. Go to mrlube.com. All right, out of player audio and right into the rinkwide Vancouver. Three stars. The three stars is selected in the building by Hockey Night in Canada. Mark Scheifele, Gabe Velarde, Tyler Myers, and wouldn't you know that's the order I'm going with as well here on Rinkwide Vancouver. And I had written those down before. I had checked the final game sheet, but uh, Scheifele was terrific. You know, the point totals this year aren't gaudy, but he is the Jets' leading scorer and uh, adds uh, four points here because he was in on all of their goals in this hockey game. A uh, goal and three assists. So Mark Scheifele, the first star, Gabe Velarde uh, has adapted nicely to the trade and has become a big part of that top line and on the power play as well. He's up to 13 now with his two on the season season. And I'm going with Tyler Myers, Uh, not just because he scored. And as somebody on Twitter pointed out, it was one of the longest toe drags in the history of hockey, (laughs) but he hit the post earlier and made the nice play to step up and, and the quick up to Ilya Mikheyev. I thought that there was a lot in Tyler Myers game. He was trying to be physical, uh, whatever the case, on a night when the star power didn't show for the Canucks, uh, some of the others did, and and we'll give Tyler Myers the nod against his former team. So Mark Scheifele gave Velarde, Tyler Myers the three stars, and I think you have to throw Connor Hellebuck uh, an honorable mention uh, just for winning
1: the the duel
0: of the the top net
1: miners. Well said. I think he is uh, fourth on that list as well. And strangely, I, I agree. I thought Myers. I don't think he was he was an obliterating guy,s but I thought he was using his size tonight. He's one of like. Th- Two, three Canucks skaters that isn't credited with a hit. They won the hit parade 37 to
0: 22. Well, they win the hit parade. Unfortunately, that's not the stat that uh, they wanted to win the most. It was the scoreboard 4 2 Winnipeg over the Vancouver Canucks. Still lots ahead here on Rink Wide. We'll get to a stat that stands out. We'll get uh, listener feedback from our social channels. And we'll talk a little bit about Archdeep Baines, who's on the roster now for the first time, got the call up on Friday, didn't get into the lineup, but uh, we'll see when his time may come. And, of course, a little preview of what's to come for the Vancouver Canucks on a three-game road trip that starts on Monday, an early start, 11 o'clock Pacific time on the holiday on both sides of the border. Jeff and Blake with you. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. Jets defeat the Canucks 4-2 on a fun night of hockey at Rogers Arena. And we said they're going to be back here in a couple of weeks' time. So you can already look forward to that one. I'm looking forward to hearing what the people had to say. We'll get to our feedback channels at Rinkwide Van in a moment. But the stat that stands out to me, Blake, on this night, and this has been an ongoing theme now. Usually our stat that stands out relates to the Canucks. But uh, what Connor Hellebuck is doing in the season that he has put together, like Thatcher Demko has been lights out good. We know that. They were both all-stars. Demko will bounce back from this. He'll win more hockey games down the stretch. But this makes 31 straight games that Connor Hellebuck has surrendered three or fewer. That's problematic. Yeah. 31. That is, like, just think about that as sort of a backdrop. If you draw the Jets in the first round, that this guy doesn't give up more than three. I think the last time was November 2nd. The Jets lost 5-2 to Vegas, and he gave up four, and then an empty netter. But 31 straight games for Connor Hellebuck. I mean, he is. And again, like there's enough hockey and enough runway left here that I don't think, you know, this doesn't swing the Vesna vote one game, but it does feel like a two-horse race between Hellebuck and Thatcher Demko. And I think up to Christmas, Demko was the front runner. But I would say uh that Connor Hellebuck just based on his individual performance and the fact that the Jets are, you know, right there atop six or seven team in the National Hockey League, I think that Connor Hellebuck may have the inside track right now. So, uh, again, goaltending, it's a huge part of hockey when you've got it. You know it, and when you don't, you also know it, and uh, he's as good as anybody in the National Hockey
1: League. Well, and if they get the power play figured out too, like they would have won more games over the last uh, 31 yeah. games if their power play was going a little bit better. So that's the—that's that's the danger in a seven-game series. I mean, the Jets at their best are a very good team. Now, whether or not they can find their best on on as regular a basis as the Canucks, I don't know, but they're going to be close. I mean, they're a fifth place team in the NHL. It's a really good team. And I do see, as we look at some of the uh, responses, there's some people that are worried about this team against the bigger teams. And, and I think some of that gets a little bit overdone, but there's also just enough evidence to make you think, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, they've played Vegas and Colorado once each and they lost those games. They've played Winnipeg and Boston once each and they lost those games. That's not ideal. But they do have some really good wins sure. on you don't get to 37 wins on the season when I think of going into Madison Square and just, you know, dominating the Rangers. They swept Carolina, they've beaten Dallas. Like, there are lots of good wins on the Canucks record, and and they're going to have to rise up. If they want to finish first in the West, they are going to have to rise up and win more of those big games, and there are still enough of them left on the schedule. All right, let's get into uh, our feedback channels at Rinkwide Van here. talkets Cheekbone says, the Canucks haven't scored a power play goal in three weeks. I think he's trying to be a little funny with the All-Star break there. They scored a pair in Carolina in that first game out of the break. It feels like three weeks because <laughs> it has been six games now. They're over 19 by my count in the last six games, which isn't ideal. There's too much talent there. They do have to figure that out. And and I'm with you. Brock Bester scored so many goals at the net front, pinning him to the side boards there and asking him
1: to be the playmaker. That's not uh, putting him in a position to succeed. So I don't blame Taka for the changes, but when you see that it's not working, I'd go back. Yeah.
0: Lawrence says "Over for 4 on the power play. That is the difference maker. And and I would agree. I mean, I would throw in the 2 for 3 for the Jets. That's special teams, obviously. It cuts both ways. Uh, but yeah, over for 4 for the Canucks. And it was yeah, 11 shots. Like, that, there have been some nights where I've pulled my hair out, just watched them pass it around the perimeter forever. They didn't do that. I mean, they got the puck to the front of the net, but it's one thing to get it there, obviously another to uh, convert and and make it happen. And so we can sit here and, and praise them for 11 shots on goal. I'm sure they'd trade uh, most of those for a couple that went in. Travis says it was a pretty fun game heading to the third, despite the loss, looking forward to the fact I'm going to be going to the rematch on March the 9th. So yeah, I'm already looking forward to that as well. Jay Hauer says, Canucks need work. The top six needs a spark. Another game where they had chances but didn't capitalize on anything that was generated. Power play, lackluster at best. Can't say I disagreed with the decisions of the officials either. So it covers a fair bit of ground there. Uh, it is funny. I mean, they make the big trade for Elias Lindholm. You know, we can debate whether P- Pia Suter should be in the top six, but... That's where he is right now.
1: What do you think of JT Miller overall? Because it's funny, you know his underlying stats are spectacular. He was seventy nine percent tops on the teams for Corsi uh, shots for were ten to three uh, uh, shots at for and against. And yet, just eye test, I I didn't see him at his dominant self. Pedersen was in and out, but there was a couple spectacular plays that he made late there in the third period, spinning through the slot, got away a weak shot and caused some havoc in front of the net. I kind of noticed Pedersen more in a lot of ways, even though JT Miller's stats are kind of gaudy. I was
0: surprised, honestly. Like When I looked at the underlying numbers, there are some nights where you know that JT Miller has left his stamp on a hockey game and it just – hasn't gone his way in terms of scoring. I, I I was, quite frankly, when I saw that he was the leader in individual course, he had almost 80%. Like, I thought he had a decent first period that that line spent most of their shifts in the offensive zone. His discipline has been pretty good. The hit on Shifley at the buzzer at the second, like that was undisciplined, but he got away with it because Shifley took a penalty there, but that could have put the Canucks in a real spot. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that uh, Patterson spinning, like that was the tail end of of a power play where it was a bit of a broken entry, but it worked out okay. And then chaos in front. And that was a 2-2, Blake. Like, that was a chance for the Canucks to go back in front. And they didn't score there. And then moments later at the other end, the Jets score, not once, but twice a minute and 55 seconds apart. So like this is one of those nights where I can't sit and praise JT Miller or anybody in the top six just because the underlying numbers are good. Certainly, they weren't buried in their own zone, and they weren't defending much. But it didn't feel like a dominant performance from from those guys. Hassan says Canucks got caught up in the extracurricular stuff, chasing hits, and the two rush chances are the difference. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there was a little bit of hit chasing. Noah Julson's probably guilty of that. And yes, look, right. Noah Jul Noah yeah. Julson's had a spectacular uh, rebirth here as a National Hockey Leaguer. Uh, scores, you know, on the night that he scores his first goal, you don't know, want dump on the guy. He was on the ice for all four of the Winnipeg goals, two of them on the power play, two at even strength and I thought that he does chase the hit on Shifley on the on the three great, great hit. <laughs> it was a big hit and actually Connor Garland who has had a great run as well, but you know if Julson's going to chase the hit there, like Garland was in position and kind of lost the man and all of a sudden it turned into a you know a 2 on 1 essentially from the top of the circle's down. So I mean, I think that there was a little bit of hit chasing. It was a physical game. You can understand why guys are emotional and they want to leave a mark on this game. But, um, you know, unfortunately for the Canucks, uh, things didn't go their way. Hasn't happened very often this season, but this was a night where things did slip away from them in the third. Wiley Canucks says, The Canucks showed some immaturity tonight, I thought. They were too focused on the big hits, which led to the odd man rushes and not enough on following the system in the playoffs. That's got to change. Yeah, I mean, I would agree I with that, that. I think that's you know, a great assessment, yeah. You can, and look, if this is the learning lesson, and I know that uh, the coach always talks about uh, the losses have to be learning lessons, you know, February, whatever it is, the 17th, it costs them, but it doesn't cost them dearly. But you get to the middle of April and this team returns to the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I mean, the reason they are where they are in the standings is because Rick talking has instilled this structure and systems and they've played it for the most part. But you play good teams and you kind of get out of your system, other teams are going to break you down. And that's what the Winnipeg Jets did. Their best players were going tonight. So I would agree. File this one away. Can't judge themselves as, you know, in the playoffs because they're not there yet. But they can't allow the breakdowns
1: that happened uh, once the postseason. Good teams get good luck too. And it was one of those nights where... It seems like every time they've made that risky play of chasing the hit or pinching here or doing X, the puck's bounced out or squeezed out, or the pad, the desperation pad, it landed on the stick of the team, of a Jets teammate, and and it created those odd man rushes. Like there's a lot of times where you go to get that hit if you're if you're Noah Julson, and the puck ricochets off your skates as you make the hit, and it just goes back out in the neutral zone, and the whole play just dies. But it didn't there, and uh, you know it's it was just one of those nights where um, some of those bounces conspired against them too.
0: Mark says, refs ruined a promising clash with weak calls. Either let them play or call everything. And again, there was uh, some real angst amongst the Canuck fan base. Saw that on social when the Jets scored two power play goals. But guess what? At the end of the night, Canucks had more power plays than the Winnipeg Jets did. Uh, It's just that Winnipeg cashed in and Vancouver did not. Big Sven says, a little worried that they don't match up well against big, fast teams, which is exactly who they'll face in the playoffs. Yeah, we don't know who they're going to face In the playoffs. And again, as Blake pointed out earlier, that's the importance of finishing first and trying to draw that second wild card team. We'll leave the final word uh, to Adam, who says, I'm hoping at some point the All Stars come back from their break. Uh, (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Yes. Uh, And I think they will, but uh, it has been a little too long now with these guys uh, not quite in sync. So uh, we'll see where it goes uh, to Minnesota on Monday afternoon and then to Denver and Seattle on this upcoming road trip. Now, I mentioned a little earlier that one of the storylines throughout the day was, would Archie Baines make his NHL debut? He got called up late on Friday, and the Canucks didn't have a morning skate, which I thought was interesting. You know, a big matchup like this on a Saturday, the Canucks didn't skate, the Jets had an optional, and the Canucks have been busy, they were on the road, they're home for two, and now they're back out of the road. So Rick are I think, trying to read the room and, and, you know, focus all of their energies on the game itself. But it just, it did feel a little strange. Like there was very little social traffic throughout the day for a big all-Canadian showdown because uh, the Canucks weren't around the rink this morning and the Jets was a bit of a skeleton crew there. So we had to wait until later in the day to find out that Arshtee Baines would not play. I'm not surprised. Now, I understand the groundswell of support for local guy that has, you know, worked his way, signs with the Canucks, goes to the All-Star Game in the American Hockey League, the MVP, leading score down in Abbotsford, all that kind of stuff, and his day will come. But it is a victory in and of itself that he's here, that he got the call. He's getting an NHL paycheck. It sounds like he's going to travel here. But if he was going to play in this one, I think the biggest cue would have come on Friday. They would have called him up, and they would have had him practice. The fact that he didn't get into a practice, and then they didn't have a morning skate. Uh, you know, Rick Tockett has 12 NHL veterans at his disposal ahead of Archie Baines. So I understand the disappointment in the marketplace because it will be an incredible story when he gets his NHL debut. He took the warm-up. I had some people ask, did he do the solo lap? No, 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 no. That's reserved for guys playing in their first NHL game. He was about the 18th guy out on the ice for the warm-up, but still around the group, you know, the bright lights and everything else.
1: Uh, Were you at all surprised that they didn't plug him in for this one? Well, I kind of read the the original statement a couple days ago when Talk had said that he's deserving of a chance to come up. Um, It almost sounded like they tipped their hand, like they just want to give him some environment, some atmosphere, yeah. give, give him an NHL paycheck. I, I didn't read it as we want to get this guy in the lineup. I think there was the, there was this sort of admission that he deserves something. He deserves a cup of coffee here in in the most strict sense, the literal sense, rather than the proverbial cup of coffee. Um, I, I don't know that enough has gone wrong with the 12 guys that we saw tonight that you take a flyer on Baines. Now, uh, who knows? Um, Di Giuseppe, you know, getting involved as he did, is that is that a positive or a negative in the mind of Rick Tockett? I don't know. Um, is is Neil Oman okay after getting labeled like that? He seemed yep. to be afterwards. We'll see how it all shakes out. But um, right away, I, I, I wasn't super surprised. I, I, I hope he gets a chance. I'm not, I'm not playing it down. Like, I, I think there's room for the Canucks to sort of see what they've got. Not necessarily a guy that will play game one of the playoffs, but these are going to be black aces most likely. Uh, we'll see how Abby does in their own playoffs. But if they're around, you want to know what you can expect. If you have to throw this guy into a game six somewhere, like what, what, do, you, what do you know about this guy? It'd be good to see him in an NHL game
0: it's unfortunate for Archie Baines. And look, he's living his dream. He's in the NHL. There's very little that's unfortunate. But when a guy gets called up, even if he doesn't play, generally you think, oh, this is great. He's going to be around the team. He's going to practice with them. He's going to be on the ice with the Sedins, uh, Adam Foote, Rick Tockett. You look at the week that's coming up for the Vancouver Canucks. No morning skate today. Sunday is a travel day. No ice for the Canucks. Monday's an early start. It's uh, President's Day in the States. So no morning skate. Yeah. So there won't be a morning skate there. <laughs> Tuesday into Denver, it's back to back. So the, the players that are playing won't skate. There may be an opportunity for the healthy scratches to get some ice there with somebody on the coaching staff. But then Wednesday's probably a day off after back to backs and three and four as they travel to Seattle for the Thursday game. So uh
1: this is one of those occasions where you're up,
0: but it really, it's just going to be hotels and airports and, you know, the, the so, charter so flights. Coach,
1: you guys don't practice up here in the NHL? No, <laughs> it's gonna, no, no. It's no no, f- no practice. Yeah. Just games.
0: It's going to feel like that. So, uh, that part is a little bit unfortunate for, for Archdeep Baines. But I think it's cool that uh, the fan base is so behind this guy. Like, you could just, when they made the call up yesterday and uh, people want to see it happen for him. And and it will. I just, I don't know that it's going to happen on this road trip. I mean, Jet Wu was just out on the last road trip and, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, they could have plugged him in in Chicago, but they've got other guys that are ahead of him on the depth chart. So we'll see when Archie Baines uh, has his number called. Number 80, by the way, will be the first Canuck to ever wear number 80 in the National Hockey League. So the Canucks fall 4-2. Uh, in a good hockey game, two very good teams, and again, they'll meet twice more before all is said and done.
1: A lot of Jets jerseys on the streets, by the way. Well, uh, and th-
0: Noisy. And in the anthem when they... Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, it. Uh, you know it's coming, but uh, I was surprised that uh, there was quite a pop in the building, so... Uh, it's fun. Like that first period, there was no goals, but there was nervous energy in the building, and it's been for missing. Sure. Like that means like there's stakes, there's significance. Mm-hmm. You can you can feel it, and and that's been missing for far too long. So lots more big nights ahead for the Vancouver Canucks, and then ultimately, uh, there will be playoff hockey here in Vancouver. But uh, quick trip, but again a tough road trip here, and so uh, let's see how they respond and bounce back. They've been good at. Bouncing back from losses, that's one of the reasons they've only lost back-to-back games on a handful of occasions, and uh, in the last time it happened, uh, they managed to get one game to overtime, and so they got a single point there. They haven't lost back-to-back in regulation since the middle of November. Into Minnesota, you would kind of feel like the door is open for that to be a Casey DeSmith start to get Demko ready for Colorado on Tuesday. I kind of think that's the way the goaltending will go, and... uh, and then we'll see what happens uh, the remainder of the road trip. But with Boston here next Saturday, that's another one you'd think that Thatcher Demko uh, would want uh, a little redemption after what happened in Beantown a couple of weeks ago. I yeah, we
1: should mention Sakaris and Price will have live intermissions for the Minnesota game on Family Day on the Monday. No Sakaris and Price. Uh, we'll leave it up to you, Mr. Patterson, to mm-hmm. uh, uh, do the debriefing uh, full episode of Rinkwide Vancouver after that wild game.
0: Yeah, so join us for live intermissions and uh, then uh, we'll do Rink-Wide as uh, usual after all the games uh, on the road trip and the rest of the way. That's going to do it for this episode. 4-2, Jets over the Canucks. Mark Shifley with a goal and three helpers, Sean Monaghan. Uh, he scored, uh, gave Velarde with a pair for the Canucks, Noah Juleson and Tyler Myers. The goal scores 4-2, Winnipeg over the Vancouver Canucks. For Blake, as Jeff, as always, we appreciate your support. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of rink Vancouver.